This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 26, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Home health care workers provide intimate services. Those workers are often family members or friends. The money they're paid often allows them to take off work and provide care. Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania issued an order making it easier to push these workers into unions. The Fairness Center is challenging that order. I spoke with David Osborne of the Fairness Center at the State Policy Network annual meeting about their lawsuit. In this case, um, you know, when you think about a home health care worker, someone who is uh, the relationship between a home health care worker and somebody who needs that care is extremely intimate. And it is somebody that you should have a great deal of trust in. And it's the fact that it could be a close friend or a family member is a really important benefit to uh, the people who need this care. It's got to be a close friend. Uh, you're right about the intimacy. So um, Don Lambrecht, our other client in this case, is the home care worker for David. And Don uh, has to go in the middle of the night to turn David over in his bed. Um, otherwise, David would develop bed sores. Um, when I go over and visit and talk to them, I bring smoothies because smoothies work best. And Don has to hold the smoothie up to David's face in order for David to take advantage of the straw. Um that's that's real intimacy, and these guys have to do that not just one or two times, but all the time, 24-7. And, and secondly, he would never do it for the money, right? These guys make, on average, $20,000 a year. Home care workers um, are not going to get into that business because they want to get rich. So what's wrong with that? What what is the, what is the problem here? Well, the governor, um, like the unions who supported him, Um, Governor Wolf saw this as an opportunity. Um, In Pennsylvania, like in a lot of other union states, the unions have basically capped out membership, right? They represent 90-something percent of all public sector employees. What they're looking to do is to capitalize on large swaths of other employees that they can unionize. There are about 20,000 home care workers in Pennsylvania, and these folks were previously non-union. So, if they could just find out a way to unionize these people, they could bring in, if they're taking a 2% cut in dues, about $8 million a year. Now, it takes some legal wizardry to get there. And in about 10 other states, uh, legislatures have passed laws to enable unionization of home care workers. The fact is, um, unlike many other unionized employees, home care workers don't have a common employer. They actually all work for the folks for whom they care. Um, they also don't work in the same place. They work in the homes of, of, of those for whom they care. So um, these are not uh, traditional union employees. It takes legal wizardry to get there. Um, because Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania knew that that couldn't happen legislatively, he enacted an executive order to make it happen. So after he enacted that uh, executive order, um, Don and Dave contacted the Fairness Center and asked for help. Um, they didn't want a union in the middle of their business. Um, Don actually used to be a union guy. He was, I think, a steel worker. He was in the private market. And, um, and, and so we filed a case against the governor, uh, Smith versus Wolf. Smith versus Wolf asked um, the courts to step in and to stop Governor Wolf, who was trying to, to enact this change by executive order. This is a freedom of association issue. Uh, this is a compelled support for an organization that you otherwise, this guy otherwise wouldn't want to have anything to do with. Well, crucial to what the unions wanted to do to Don and Dave is to get that 2% cut without having to ask. 
So part of the deal was going to be, we're going to get these dues immediately uh, by volunteer, by uh, payroll deduction. And of course, um, under a case called Harris versus Quinn, the home care workers would have had the right to object to that, but they wouldn't have. They would have first had to discover it was coming out of their paycheck, and then undergo the additional uh, burden of having to ask to get out. Does the Affordable Care Act is that involved here at all? No, no, no. Affordable Care Act really has nothing to do with it. It's it's about the relationship between a direct care worker and those for whom they care. It's an intimate relationship, and ultimately it was breached by an executive order. Okay, so uh, what is it about Pennsylvania that allows this kind of thing to move forward absent uh, a lawsuit? It's culture. It's a culture in Pennsylvania. So what Don and Dave would tell you is that um, the the government has been involved in their lives um, through Medicaid and through a state-based program called Act 150. Um, and unions are part and parcel of government in Pennsylvania. So um, unions have been able to take advantage of their relationship with the governor to get in, and many people uh, don't see a big problem with that. There, this is part of a broader movement to attempt to unionize home health care workers. Absolutely, yeah. This has gone on in many other states. Pennsylvania is actually the first state in which it was stopped cold in its tracks. So the um we filed a case, and we've also filed for a, a preliminary injunction. This is back in 2015, and we won that uh, preliminary injunction early on. It stopped the unionization, effectively, of home health care workers there. Uh, the union won an election and became the official union for a time, but they weren't able to, uh, under the preliminary injunction, come to any agreement with the governor. Ultimately, we won that case on the merits as well and, and got a permanent injunction that rendered that executive order uh, void ab initio from the beginning, as if this thing never even happened. And that ruling is, is on its way to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, where, um, where we'll be able to litigate the case on the merits. When will this be heard? This will be probably uh, oral argument in late November, early December, possibly early the following year, and with a decision coming probably sometime spring or summer 2018. And what is the potential impact of this uh, event in Pennsylvania on other state laws and on uh, this federal, this larger attempt nationally? All eyes are on Pennsylvania. All eyes are on Pennsylvania. The unions, um, this, is a, this is not a new model for them. They've tried to do this by executive order, but they've been successful. Uh, Blagojevich, for instance, um, in Illinois, um, did an executive order, and that's that's what led to later legislation. If they can't get this done by executive order in Pennsylvania, um, they've got to think twice about doing it to other um, to other home care workers in other states. There, there is a, 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 a bigger issue here, I think, which is the fact that there is a uh, maybe a fundamental either misunderstanding or an intentional misunderstanding of the nature of these kinds of relationships. We, we talked about them being uh, very intimate between uh, people. And the fact that, as you mentioned, that, that home health care workers in Pennsylvania on average make about $20,000 a year, that's to defray, that's to make it easier for them to give. Right. That it makes it easier for them to be uh, charitable, to be compassionate to people that they care about. Sure, yeah. The, the, um the initial impetus for this arrangement was that uh, that people were being institutionalized, and um, you know a quadriplegic guy can't work. I mean, Dave was a was a um, was a contributing member of society who had a, a fantastic job in the financial market, but the fact is, after after some amount of time, um, you just can't work, 
And so um, the state ends up paying for that uh, through the institutionalization of the disabled and the elderly. And what uh, home care uh, provision uh, home care provision was to solve that problem by allowing you know parents and family members were going to take care of them to stop them from being institutionalized. But what parents and family members had to do is stop working as well. So if we can just subsidize that as the state, we're actually saving a lot of money. Um, that that was the impetus for this program. But uh, that just highlights the problem with putting a union into this this equation. You've got a parent taking care of a child. Why in the world would a parent need to be unionized against his child, his employer? That's what Don and Dave are dealing with. We've got a friend who's been with him for 25 years, and we've got a union telling Don that he needs to be protected against Dave, his, his best friend. It, it's, it's insane. And, uh, and Don and Dave have been incensed about it from the beginning. You know, let me tell you what's happened just recently, because we've had a little detour in the legal process. Um, Governor Wolf found a way to reward that same union by doing an end around um, the the permanent injunction that we scored for Don and Dave. Um, the, the union that was involved set up an independent 501c3. I say independent, uh, it's independent on paper. A 501c3 organization housed within the same complex as the SEIU in Pennsylvania. And meanwhile, the governor... Um, amended an existing contract with one of his, with one of his contractors uh, that's supposed to provide financial management services to these home care workers. The amendment required that, that contractor to come to an agreement with a subcontractor of the governor's choosing to provide mandatory orientation programs to home care workers all across the state. Turns out that that approved subcontractor was the 501c3 set up just months actually after we won the victory in the Commonwealth Court in Pennsylvania. And um, for its services, I could put air quotes around that, they'll receive a million and a quarter per year. That was effectively an end around the permanent injunction that, um, that Don and Dave were entitled to. And, um, so we went back to court just recently on something we called an application for, uh, for enforcement. You might also understand it as a motion for contempt um, to stop this, this violation of the permanent injunction. And we have an evidentiary hearing scheduled in October for that. David Osborne is president of the Fairness Center. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 